class this morning about some stuff that Robbie Zacharias was preaching on and teaching on on the radio. And we were talking about the original fall in the Garden of Eden and what originally caused all of that. And, and it wasn't a desire to eat a piece of fruit. The temptation that Satan came with to tempt Eve wasn't to be prettier or faster or smarter or stronger. The temptation was to be a God unto herself. He said, on the day you eat of it, that she told him, on the day, God said, on the day you eat of it, surely you will die. He said, you won't die, but you'll be like God. We want to be gods unto ourselves. I said it was very interesting that we're having this conversation because this is pretty much my sermon, what we were talking about up there. And I told the guys, I said, remember this when I'm preaching this morning because as I preach, I'm going to touch the actual things that we do. I'm going to talk about the things that we're doing that are actually where we're rebelling against God. As Christians, this sermon today is not intended for the community at large. It is intended for you and for me. So let that work in your heart today. Earlier this week, my wife was reading in the newspaper. And she was reading in in the paper about... The, the city of Oil City is going to step up their enforcement of pet licensing. Got to have your dog's license, got to have your cat's license and all these things. And she was reading this story and she said, she was telling me that, that they went through, last year, they went through and they went door to door in certain neighborhoods and they handed out over 900 citations. Now, I've lived in Oil City long enough to know, and I've been around the government long enough to know, I'm like, this is just a money-making racket. This is just to get money. And it made me mad. And I'm still not pleased with it. Okay? I'm not happy with this. They said they're going to step this up. They said, first of all, they're going to go door-to-door to check that pets are licensed. If they find unlicensed pets, they will find the guilty party. And then they're going to make you license the dog or the cat, and you're going to pay twice. Oil City keeps raising taxes to pay for things. Keeps doing all, the, keeps doing all these things. And I'm not here to beat up our city. I'm just saying this is frustrating to me. Now they're going to force people to register their animals to get the money they need. And if they can't get it that way, they're going to get it twice by fining you and then making you register the animal. And as far as it went, my heart was like that red rock right there in the center. Hard. Impenetrable. I didn't want to hear it. And I don't want to hear it. And that is sin on my part. 
The Scripture does not tell us to obey the government authorities that you agree with. The Scriptures do not tell us to do only the laws that you like. But it tells us that all authority, even the ones that you despise, are from God. I want to ignore what they're saying. I want to ignore what they're saying. I want to let my heart continue to be hardened to sin. I want to let my heart continue to be hardened to sin in this area and just ignore them and and roll the dice and see if I don't get charged twice and maybe take the chance that they don't come. But friends, church family, believe it or not, the book of Hebrews has something to say about this. So I want you to go ahead and open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3. Starting there in verse 7. You may be struggling as you're turning there. You may be struggling thinking, how is this pet licensing like the sin that's talked about in Hebrews? You stick with me throughout the sermon and you will see in the end. Okay? You stick with me and you'll see in the end. So here's what the scriptures say. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They've not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be any it be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. You're going to see by the end of this sermon today that it's not such a stretch to the pet licensing. But more than that, you're hopefully going to see in areas in your life where you've been doing this very thing that the book of Hebrews warns against. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today and we ask that everything that happens in this place today will glorify and honor you. Lord, have your way. Lord, help this illustration of pet licensing to connect with us in a very real and tangible way so that we can understand and know what it is that you're saying to us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And God's people said, Amen. So we need to license that dog. (laughs) We need to license that dog. I want to summarize the dog licensing situation to you very quickly. We're going to move kind of rapidly through this. If you're taking notes, you don't necessarily have to get these next few bullet points written down. Okay? The first thing in this situation is that the city has made a clear proclamation of its plans as well as my expected compliance with those plans. The city has made a clear proclamation of what they intend to do And how they expect me to come in line with that. Very clear. 
expectations. For various and sundry reasons, I've become hard-hearted about this. And if I persist in this hard-heartedness, I will have to ultimately suffer the consequences. Because in their clear proclamation, if I don't come in line with it, and they catch me, they are going to find me, and then I'm going to come in line with it. And you better believe if I get caught the first time, they're going to come back and check again. (laughs) Right? Get caught once, they'll come back and check again. My understanding of the situation, my reasoning behind why they're doing this, all these, it doesn't matter. It does not matter what I think. It only matters what the authority that is over me has said. And we need to understand that. So what are the similarities to sin? What are the similarities to a sin pattern to the sin patterns of the rest of our life? The first similarity is that I've decided that my judgment about the situation is the better one. Just like we were talking about in men's training ground this morning. I know better than they do. Every time we are finding ourselves rebelling to authority that is over that, whether that be our moms and dads, whether that be our boss, or whether that even be a president or a congress or a senate that we don't like. We rebel and justify it by saying our judgment's better. It's hard for Christians to swallow all authority is from God. It's hard to swallow that the president and the senators and the congressmen that we have right now are put there because God let them be put there. That he's in control of this. And so we justify And we say, I don't have to follow. I don't have to do this. I can fight. Now, interestingly enough, in our society, we can disagree. But we have to comply with the law while we're disagreeing until the law is changed. But it's not just our political stuff. It's at work. Well, I don't think they give me a good enough, long enough break time. And I know I'm not supposed to be outside smoking a cigarette when I'm out there, when I went out to the metal rack, when I worked at the Walmart distribution center when I planted my first church. That's what guys would do. They'd go out to the metal rack outside to get something so they could smoke and get an extra break. Well, they don't understand my nicotine problem. Well, you don't understand that they told you not to do that. Right? We think we know better. I think I know better. You might be sitting there in your seat right now thinking, yeah, we do know better. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I know better. If I know better, all I got to do is go to the polls and vote to get rid of the oil city, city council and mayor and get new ones. Don't like the candidates that are running? All I got to do is throw my name in the, in the ring. Beyond city council. Right? Ron Schwab for mayor. (laughs) 
the first similarity in this, in this thing, again, is that I've decided my judgment is better. Now, once I decide that my judgment is better, it leads me to the next place. This has caused me to ignore the clear warnings in this area. Well, because I think I'm smarter than you and better than you and stronger than you and wiser than you, I don't have to pay attention to the warnings. I mean, that's what we were talking about in Training Ground. Eve had clear warnings from God. But the enemy came and he tempted her to do something. And so all of a sudden she thought she knew better and she ignored the warnings. This is right out of this passage, guys. Don't harden your hearts. Don't harden your hearts. Don't ignore the clear warnings, but that's what's going on and that's what happens in your life. You ignore clear warnings just like I do. You've decided you know better, but I'm going to ignore that. How do we get where we're doing this stuff? Well, it's because we say things like this. Well, the Bible, when it comes to, when it comes to sins about some of the stuff we're going to talk about in a little bit, well, the Bible, it, it was written in a different time. Or, or this one. Well, that thing the Bible warns against, it, it, it isn't meant for me. It was only meant for those people. Number one classic way that happens, well, I'm a New Testament Christian. The Old Testament doesn't apply to me. And to that I say, ha! which is the technical word for poppycock. <laughs> Friends, I'm going to keep saying this for as long as I'm your pastor. The Bible that Jesus carried was the Old Testament. The Apostle Paul preached Jesus from the Old Testament. He didn't know he was writing Scripture when he was writing these letters. Don't tell me the Old Testament doesn't apply to you. Yes, it does. If it was sin in the Old Testament, it is still sin today unless Jesus specifically said it's not. And there are very few things that he specifically said it's not. Thank God. Thank God. He did say one of them. All food is clean. Because I'm a big fan of the pig. But unless Jesus specifically said it no longer is here, and it's very interesting, those things that he specifically said that's no longer there, it's why were they forbidden in the Old Testament? A lot of the things that he said no longer exist or no longer uh, applicable are foodstuffs. And it's because we got advanced enough and we learned enough to understand parasites. The Jews were allergic to a lot of these foods that he said they couldn't touch. They were actually protective measures, not impossible rules imposed by a legalistic God. But that's neither here nor there. My, my most despised one, or I could say my most favorite one to come against, well, I'm a strong enough and mature enough Christian. I can do these things. Friends, when you think you're strong enough and mature enough, you are getting ready to fall big time. 
you might as well say, I don't need God. I got this figured out. I'm smart enough. I'm strong enough. I'm mature enough. I've been walking with Jesus long enough. This stuff isn't going to affect me. That one is so agitating to me as a pastor. I hear, but I hear people say it all the time. Well, I'm a mature Christian, so I can do that. Really? Really? I'm not talking about areas of Christian liberty, you know. I mean, I, I believe there's... When I was first was a believer, there were certain... I avoided all secular music. Because I couldn't discern between what was good and bad. Now I listen to some secular music and I try to discern between what's good and bad and I stay away from the bad stuff. Okay, so I'm not talking about areas of Christian liberty like that. But I'm talking about the things that are very clear in Scripture that we're not supposed to do. Things that we're supposed to stay away from. But we say, well, I'm a mature Christian. I can, hang, I can handle this. I can do this. This is how we get hardened. And this is how we ignore the clear warnings from Scripture. You need to think this through. So we ignore the clear warnings like I mentioned and this causes us to do things like justify our divorces. The divorce rate inside the church is equal to or higher than the divorce rate outside the church. And I'm not talking about divorced people getting saved, coming in, and that making our divorce rate going up. I'm talking about Christians who say they're sold out to Jesus completely and totally and, not, and say, no, I'm not in rebellion to God, I'm, I'm divorcing. Because I don't want her anymore. I don't want him anymore. Now, there are a lot of Christians who've gotten divorces, and they realize at this point, they're like, oh, man, this wasn't God's plan. If you've gotten a divorce, and you realize that that wasn't God's plan, I'm not throwing a stone at you. Okay? I am talking about Christians who are two Christians married, saying they're living for Jesus, and saying, we just don't love each other anymore. We're just going to get divorced. Stuff like that. You say, well, pastor, how many, of that does, how many of us does that really touch on? Oh, okay, how about this? Posting the vulgar stuff on your Facebook. I posted a post on Facebook talking about, this past week, talking about how people put vulgar stuff, Christians put vulgar stuff up on their Facebook. People who say that they are sold out for Jesus, they love Jesus with everything they have, put this stuff on their Facebook, and when approached about it, they say, it's no big deal, man. I'm a strong enough Christian, I can do that. This last week, a Christian posted something on, on their Facebook. It was a song. The first word of the song was Mother Effer. Seriously? This glorifies God. Seriously. Some of you cringed when I said mother because you thought I was coming with the rest of it. Friends, I am the house of God. You are the house of God. Not the stinking building. And you are defiling His temple when you take this garbage in. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. This building isn't special. It's an old racquetball club. You are defiling His temple. Oh, well, why well, don't do that? 
I don't do that. I don't put the vulgar stuff on there, Pastor. Amen. I'm with you. I don't do that. And those, those guys, they need, to, they need to stop doing all of that. Okay. What about the non-vulgar music that glorifies a sinful lifestyle? You know, the ones that doesn't have what we classify as cuss words. I've, and a lot of you are thinking, yeah, that's that modern music. I, ha- I had a, uh, a pastor, no, he wasn't a pastor, he was a lay person, one time come to me and he was challenging us at a, at a summer camp about the music that we were doing. He was bringing a challenge against that and he said, you can't do this stuff, it's bad, it's, it's all bad, you can't, you can't mess with this. And, and, I said, cause it, and I said, why is that? He goes, well, it sounds like rock and roll and rock and roll is bad. And I said, brother... If we did southern gospel music, would that be okay with you? And he said, oh, yes. I said, southern gospel music kind of sounds like country, doesn't it? He goes, yeah. And I said, take the ribbon from your hair, shake it loose and let it fall. I'm not going to finish the songs by Willie Nelson. It's a song about intercourse outside of marriage. I said, some of the most vulgar songs I've ever heard are country. He said... And I quote, touche, but, really? Really? Can I just say something real quick to you? Young people... Listen to me, and I, but I know it's not just the young people. Some of you that are in your 60s are going to think it's just the, the teenagers, but it's the young adults too. Let me just tell you something. Eminem has no place with Jesus at this point. You cannot listen to that filth that glorifies drugs, degrades women, young ladies. If I catch a boy talking about you like that, I'm probably going to jail. We need to start a pastor bailout fund. <laughs> you talk about my daughter that way, you're probably going to be spitting teeth. But we take this stuff in. Like it's no big deal. Like it's no big deal. Let me just tell you something. Facebook's been the best pastoring tool I've ever got. It is. Because you think it's inside your head. It's not out there for the world to see. Oh, well, you don't do that. No, you're just watching movies that glorify sin. Can I just tell you, friends, something real quick? Psychics are real. My wife was raised in the occult. Her mom got them off of welfare by practicing the art of a psychic. And guys, she was freakishly accurate. And we're not talking about vague stuff. We're not talking about cold reading people and going off their reactions. She could do it over the phone. She found a lost kid. A kid it was kidnapped or lost. A, a runaway kid, her mom, for the Denver Police Department, said, this is where she's at. Psychic vision, this is where she's at. Went there. 
but you're turning on shows like The Psychic Detective and all this stuff. Well, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. Yes, it is. It's called divination. I know this just put me in the Fruit Loop category with some of you, but friends, people don't spend millions of dollars a year on this stuff and get no results. This stuff happens. This stuff works. It's demonic. It is demonic, but we take this stuff in. We watch the TV shows that glorify it. We do all that stuff. I'm not, now, I'm not talking about fantasy made-up stuff. I mean, there's fantasy made-up stuff. Silly shows like Warehouse 13, that's not real. That's not the stuff the Bible warns against. That's just silliness. But the stuff that the Scriptures actually warn against... Asian pastors, Asian pastors, and I know somebody's going to say, hey, it was a Western creation, it was never an Asian thing. I don't care who created it, Asian pastors will not look at the piece of paper inside of a fortune cookie. It is a gateway to divination. You say it's just a piece of paper, it's just random. Yeah, but people start looking at that, and I watch people go from that. Christians posting daily their horoscope on Facebook. Hello, this is astrology, and the Bible specifically speaks against astrology. It's fine with astronomy, not astrology. Okay? We get into this stuff. We justify. Maybe I haven't hit one for you this morning. But you know what it is. You know what it is. Maybe it's your porn problem. Maybe it's your addiction to a drug. Maybe it's your anger addiction. Let the Word of God convict you this morning. If it's hitting home, don't get mad at me. Get right with Jesus. Because here's the deal. When the authorities catch me, they must punish me in order to be fair and just. That's the similarities. If Oil City is going to enforce this dog rule and cat rule, If they catch me, they have to punish me. They cannot let me off or they are not fair and just. Every person at that point who has been punished, if I don't get punished, has grounds to come and say, wait a minute, this is not being uniformly enforced. They have to punish me if they catch me. And this is similar to sin because if God is just and good, He must punish sin. Where he sees it. God is holy and perfect. He cannot allow sin into his presence. And so he brings a just penalty for that sin. The big difference is that God's justice is not simple, is not a simple fine, and then making you get your pet licensed. No, it's far, far worse.
The Bible in the passage of Hebrews right here teaches that if we continue in our rebellion, that we can never enter heaven's rest. Read it in verse 11. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And Hebrews was written to believers. You say, but I'm saved. Jesus carried the penalty of my sin on the cross. Amen. He did. But does that mean that you can live any old way you want to? Paul says it like this. What? Shall we go on sinning that grace may abound? By no means. I can't wait till we get to chapter 10. We're going to fast forward to it real quick. Everybody turn to chapter 10. Verse 26. Who's the, who's the audience of the book of Hebrews? Christians, believers. Let's say it again. Who's the audience? Christians. You ready? Chapter 10, verse 26. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Verse 27 but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Church, we need to wake up. We need to wake up very, very badly. Very badly. We need to wake up. I'm going to read you something else. You don't have to turn here. But I'm going to read you this. This is Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 14. And to the angel of the church of Laodicea write the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. Who's he talking to? The church. The ecclesia, that's the Greek word, the ecclesia, the called out ones that were at Laodicea. I know some of you think it's Laodicea. It's not. In Greek, it's pronounced Laodicea. <clears throat> Verse 15, I know your works. You're neither cold or hot. I would that you were either cold or hot. By the way, cold and hot, both good. Neither one of those is bad. But that's a sermon for another day. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. This is like, oh, I'm mature, and I'm all good, and I can do all this stuff. Not realizing that you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Verse 18, this is the crazy part. To the, to the what at Laodicea? To the what? Come on, guys. To the what? Because you need to understand it's to the church. You need to understand it's to the church. I counsel you... To buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself. Now let me just tell you about a particular analogy that the scripture uses. White garments are the clothes of the saints. It signifies purity. The people who are clothed in white are getting into heaven. He says to the church, you don't have white garments. You need some. What the heck does that mean? What does that mean? 
You're like, Pastor, why are you hitting this so hard? Why are you hitting this so hard? Why are you hitting this so hard? Because you need to wake up. I need to wake up when I see that Oil City says I need to license my dog. I need to realize that if I don't do that, I'm in rebellion to a holy God. Because all authority is from Him. You, and I pointed the finger at myself first before anybody else today. Remember that if you're getting frustrated with me or mad. I called my own sin out first. It would seem to me that a hardened, evil, unbelieving heart that it warns us about in verse 12 can cause us to fall away from God. That's what it says there in 3.12 back in Hebrews. Take care, brothers. It's talking to Christians. Take care, brothers. Lest there be in 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 it, uh, translation please. Lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Does this mean that we can lose our salvation, or does this mean that we never had it to begin with? Listen, I am not a Calvinist, nor am I an Arminian. I don't think either one of them are correct. You're going a Calvinist or an Arminianist. What is that? Arminians about salvation believe that we can lose our salvation by sinning. Really strict, really hardcore Arminians believe that you get in a head-on collision and you blaspheme and then die, that you go to hell because the last thing you did was sin and you hadn't repented of it. That's hardcore Arminianism. Calvinists believe once saved, always saved. I don't believe either one of those is correct. I believe the correct answer is trust that God can keep us but live like we can lose it. But that's neither here nor there. For you Arminians, for those of you who would tend more towards the side I can lose my salvation by sinning, be afraid. Now how does the Calvinist explain this? Well, the Calvinist explains this by a straw man theory. It says if a person persists in sin, that's a, that were Calvinists, say they persist in sin and they've got this sinful lifestyle, well, they were never saved to begin with. So if you're a Calvinist and this is going on in your life, be afraid. Either way, be scared. We said it in Sunday school this morning, it's so freaky. The message was preached in the man class. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. You need to be afraid. Jesus tells us, do not fear anybody except for the one that has the power to send you to hell. That, my friends, by the way, is not Satan. That is God who can send you to hell. And if he is a just and a fair God, he will punish sin. Now, he meted it all out on Jesus. But you read that. You heard me read it. Out of Hebrews 10.26, if you keep deliberately sitting after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Friends, that means what Jesus did on the cross ain't working for you. You can't just live any way you want to. You can't just make the blood of Jesus Christ an excuse to go on in a sinful, rebellious lifestyle. Get real. This is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. In the words of DC Talk, 
We come here and we're like, oh, praise you, Jesus, singing our songs. And then we walk out the door and we deny him by the lives that we lead. It should not be so. Come out from among them. Yet be salt and light. You can't shelter yourself from the world. I'm not saying come to the fortress. This is not a fortress. This is more like a hospital. Today it feels more like a whipping chamber. But this is a hospital where the saints get bandaged up and sent back out there. You're going to have to deal with lost people in the world. You need to deal with lost people in the world. If you're avoiding lost people, you're wrong. Because Jesus ate with sinners. He spent time with sinners. Some of his favorite people were sinners. Thank God, because I was one, and he came to me in the middle of it. So I'm not saying to avoid them, but I'm saying live different. This garbage that's going on in our lives, it shouldn't be so. What fellowship has darkness with light? What do God and Belial have to do with one another? Nothing. You are unevenly yoking yourself to the world when you live in sin like this. Can I just tell you something? The passage about being unevenly yoked, the only way we try to apply it as the church is saying that a believer can't marry an unbeliever. Hello, there's more application there than that. Crying out loud and I wasn't picking on you. I was just getting excited. You guys weren't excited during worship. I'm pumped up now. Listen. Don't be unequally yoked. I'm not telling you to hate Eminem. Pray for him. Do like KJ52 does, Christian rapper, who's praying for him, who gets on his knees for him every day, prays for his salvation. If, if Marshall Mathers, which is what his real name is, walked in the door right now, I would embrace him. And he would be welcome to come here and stay here. And I would love on him. But I would also tell him, dude, what you're doing is not right. We don't like to be told what we're doing is not right. That's what we talked about in men's training ground. We don't like it. We don't like to be told this is wrong. But guys, it's not me that's saying it's wrong. It's not me that's saying it's wrong. It's God that says it's wrong. Whether you're a Calvinist or whether you're an Arminian or whether you're like me, somewhere in the middle, this passage of Scripture serves as a dire warning to us. We cannot just keep living our lives any way we want to and call ourselves Christian. It is a trick question what I'm getting ready to ask. What does the word Christian mean? Shout it out. Wrong, wrong. Every answer so far is wrong. I said it was a trick question. I said it was a trick question. Thank you for those of you who are brave enough to call it out. The word Christian means slave of Christ. Plain and simple, that's it. No other definition. When you go into the Greek and look at it, Okay, 
It's the word, it's the Greek word Christianos. Christos is the anointed one. It comes from the Greek word krios, which means to smear or rub. The ianos is of Latin origin, and it means that you are owned by the one whose name precedes it. If you're owned by somebody, what are you? Wait, you're like, but pastor, I've had Greek teachers teach me something different. What does the New Testament say? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. We translate this word doulos over and over and over again in the modern translations today as servant. It actually is the word bondservant or slave. When you see in the NIV servant or bondservant, most of the time in the New Testament, it's the Greek word doulos, which means slave. You are not your own. You can't say no, master. You either don't mean no or you don't mean master. I'm not talking about people who struggle with sin. I struggle. I'm not saying that we're saint that we're that we're saints that some that we're not saints who sometimes sin. We are saints who sometimes sin. But I'm saying if you're born again, your sin should bother you. And if it doesn't bother you, that should be a bad red flag to you. Clearly, my rebellion to the city this week bothered me. Enough that it made headlines in my sermon. I'm not perfect. I'm not trying to say I am. But I'm saying, come on, guys. The worship team's going to come back in just a minute. And we're going to sing a song. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. soul. Woe, woe, my soul. And worship His holy name. Live like never before. Oh, my soul, and worship his holy name. When you're singing that song today, don't say the word sing in the chorus. Say, live like never before, oh, my soul, and worship his holy name. And I love singing, and singing is a good way to worship. We talked about that last week, God boasting. But we need to live different We need to live different. Who cares if they call you a Jesus freak? Who cares? Let's pray. Father, and don't cut the sermon off when I get done praying. I got to show the homework. Father, we ask you this morning to bring conviction where conviction needs to be that we can no longer rebel against you. Father, show us as individuals, show us as a church those things we need to turn away from. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. So homework for this week. And Monday, Psalm 95, verse 1 through 11. That's the whole psalm. Tuesday, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 34 through 36. Wednesday, Psalm 81, 1 through 16. I think that's the whole psalm again. Thursday, Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 through 33. Friday, Psalm 25, verses 8 through 15. And Saturday, Proverbs 9, verses 1 through 12.